Welcome to Holding the Fort Abroad, the podcast for expats with traveling partners. My name is Rhoda Bangeter. I support partners who live and parent when apart for work. In this podcast, I interview men and women who live abroad and have traveling partners so that we can all benefit from their wisdom and experience. I also invite experts to apply their expertise to this topic. Today, my guest is Kate Berger. Kate is a child psychologist and the founder of the Expat Kids Club. Her main aim is to support emotional well-being of expatriate children, and she does that through individual, family, and corporate consultations. First, we'll talk a little bit about what she does, and then we'll move on to her insights on living a life with geographical distance or frequent travel. Kate, welcome. Hi, Rhoda. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. So tell us a little bit what you do, because you focus on children who move, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, I run a private psychology practice. We're based in the Netherlands, but we support the global community, the mobile community as well. Um, and we work we're, we work in a child-centered way, meaning that the, the children are our clients um, and we're supporting them through all the complexities that come with being a part of this international lifestyle, let's say the, the third culture kid profile. Um, but of course, because we work with young people, that means we're also collaborating with the, the support system around them, which obviously includes parents um, and schools and other types of providers as well. Right. Because we connected right over because uh, I was looking for resources about telling children that you're moving because some mm. one of the things that came up in our international school was uh, some parents were not telling their children out of a out of, I think, a concern that they would be sad or devastated and so I think it was a genuine concern let's not tell them until the very last minute and then they'll be happy and then we move and I feel like yeah. oh <laughs> you know I'm like I oh that, that to me that just sounded like really brutal although it's coming from a really a, a, you know a, a place of of care so that's how we connected can you can you just talk a little bit about that like is it okay for them to be sad yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and this is something that is sort of a question that comes up a lot in our work of, you know, when do we let the kids know that this um, relocation is happening? Um, and I agree with you. I think that there is often a tendency to sort of want to put it off as long as possible to avoid some difficult feelings. Um, we are in the business of moving closer towards difficult thoughts and feelings, um, because if we put ourselves in a um, coping habit of avoidance, and distraction, um, then we all know, you know, those strategies really work in the short term. But eventually, uh, we're going to encounter difficult thoughts and feelings in life. So it's much more effective um, in the long term to, you know, move closer to all that difficulty and learn and develop skills um, to, to cope um, effectively. So um, even though, yes, it's hard, <laughs> um, you know, we don't want to avoid the, the difficulty in the context of of letting kids know that we're moving um, because they're going to have a hard time <laughs> sooner or later with it in, in most cases. And it doesn't have yeah. to mean it's going to be like devastating, um, but there are certainly challenges inherent in the process. So we want to be sort of prepared and equipped to handle that as effectively as possible. So in your private practice, like in the Expert Kids Club, would you have like you have, you have online resources, right, that parents could go for this topic specifically or others where you can be like, okay, I can like 
find out how do I deal with my kids sadness or like a really strong yeah. response yeah absolutely and and a portion of the work that we do is, is indeed parental consultation in this way so we get a lot of you know, parents that are reaching out to us saying like okay. we're planning to move in the next three or six months or whatever um how do we talk to our kids about this and what do we need to keep in mind and what can you help us come up with a plan um and so then we'll do individual support and looking at kind of just individual circumstances of the family the 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 child you know um their way of processing information all these sorts of things it doesn't always have to be directly involving the the child but it can just be supporting on that level so that's something that that Mm. we do for sure oh that is so, so important, right? I mean, just as parents, you know, it's like uh, we're not always equipped. Uh, so, and this is an extra, I think, topic that we're just not necessarily equipped yeah. for in terms of handling how we communicate or helping them kind yeah. of do, a, do this kind well, of transition because it, it, it is hard. It is hard. And I mean, it's interesting too because we see this also um, in the systemic level. So like not just for individual families and parents, but we've worked with corporates also that are like, we don't want to talk about the difficulty. We don't want to like mention this in any of the materials that we're providing for our employees, because if we talk about it, they're not going to want to do it. And then, you know, that affects um, a company and their bottom line and all these sorts of things. But we really encourage them as much as possible. Um, indeed to, like I said, move closer, talk about it, name it, acknowledge it, come up with a strategy that's effective for long-term coping with this sort of difficulty. Um, so it's not only parents that are not always equipped. Um, it's everybody. That is such an in- oh, that is such an interesting yeah. point. Oh my word! Yes, yes, that that is very very true. Now you got me thinking about the organizations because we're trying to get organizations to preempt it. It's always a little bit of a challenge to. Uh, you know, that that they see that it's actually important. But but it's also, also just a funny point that, yeah, they don't want to talk about the challenges yeah. because, you know, they yeah, don't say it, don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And actually, you know, it's practically forewarned and then then you probably won't see the problem. That's the whole yeah. point, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so you've seen in your practice um, what I've experienced in sort of my research and like not a week goes by that when people ask me what I do, um, and I explain, someone goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I live that. Or, you know, yeah, we've known that. So either frequent business travel when you move abroad and then your partner's gone like a lot of the time because they might be a regional manager or they're covering, you know, a number of countries or families who are choosing for one partner to stay in one place and one partner to live in the other country, you know, for kids' education or dual careers or security in the country that the one one of the partners is going to so you were saying earlier you know just before we hit record that that you see a lot of frequent business travel that's a that's a one that we don't often talk about in its own right right what's sort of been your experience of that in what you've seen what kind of challenges do you see people coming with <laughs> so many challenges that come up in in that type of um situation um you know one of the things just in no particular order um is that we see that you know um when a family relocates there's this sort of um question about you know how much do we how much effort do we put into 
integrating into this new community, uh, how much effort is required in terms of being able to maintain our sense of identity as a family, as individuals within the family. Um, and when you have this additional sort of factor of mobility, when there is a person in the family system who is um, sort of coming in and out of that frequently, um, that makes all of those types of questions more complicated <laughs> to look at and, and to find um, the, the answers that work for any given family. On the child level, particularly, um, we also see that uh, the impact um, in a way where it makes it difficult for a child to um, fully feel secure in, in their own role within the context of the family when there are these shifts taking place. Um, so to be more specific, um, you know, a, a sort of common thing that can happen is um, particularly in the, if it's a family with multiple ch children, um, the older child might sort of step into a, a parent role when the parent who is traveling frequently for work, um, you know, is not present because the, the parenting the pressure that's put on the, the parent that stays at home, um, you know, increases. And so an older child might sort of pick up on that and notice that and step into that space, um, which is often not helpful or appropriate. We also see even things like families, you know, changing their kind of rules and boundaries around the house when one parent is there or isn't there um, when it comes to even things like like sleeping. So um, it's not uncommon for families that we're working with to say, OK, well, you know, parent A is out of town for work again, so all the kids can sleep with parent B, <laughs> um, um, which might be uh, convenient. And it also maybe um, attends to certain needs that come up in the context of just feeling isolated or alone and things like that. Um, but then when the, both parents are back in the house, you know, back to the situation where kids sleep in the kids' rooms and parents sleep in the parents' rooms. And so this, you know, instability, this complexity in the context of the, the roles and the, the systemic structure that's in place can be really, really, really tough and challenging for kids. That is so, yes, yes. And I think my observation is that and, and it was true for myself as well is that we don't attribute these this instability or these kind of this kind of intensity to the fact that our partner's coming mm. in and out that we that we attributed to like oh I'm something's wrong something's wrong with me something's wrong with our family mm. um why are we coping why is it chaotic uh, what do you say to that yeah. I mean, I think this idea of like something being wrong is definitely recognizable, right? Um, you know, I think just generally anyway, I'm also a parent and like, we, you know, we tend to first critique our own parenting and think about all the things that we're doing wrong and forget to acknowledge the things that we're doing right. But it's also sort of a, a natural consequence of being in a situation where there is so much instability. Um, it sort of activates our nervous system even to kind of go into that survival mode, that fight or flight. Um, and then we're just wired to see that negativity bias is there. So we're going to inherently look for the problems or what's wrong or what's not going well in, in these kind of moments. Um, and maybe, you know, the focus becomes very much like, what am I not doing right? Or, you know, how am I screwing up again as a parent <laughs> sort of thing? Mm. But, you know, you can zoom out and think about, okay, well, what is going right? Or what are some kind of factors that are not necessarily, um, 
you know, that, that control, like what's in my control, what's out of my control context uh, to see, okay, maybe that would help identify something like this, this movement, this instability as something that's actually influencing what we're seeing on a day-to-day behavioral level and what's challenging. Mm. I think what the, the three though you p- pointed out are, are interesting for people. I think to to if they recognize it in their own family, would you say like okay, so then they recognize it and they say oh okay, that's kind of I w- I don't want to use the word normal, but it is a common effect of this lifestyle. So the you know a younger child, may, a, an older child taking a parental role, which might need to be addressed mm. and and you know, maybe you can, you can speak to that a little bit, you know, the, the differences in yeah. rules when a parent is gone, when they're coming back, that's a really yeah. common one. And what was the third one? I can't remember. But those two are already like uh, biggies, I think, of um, of what yeah. I see a lot. And I think just people knowing, oh, okay, if they see that in their families, that that is um, something that is, that is direct mm-hmm. from this kind of you know in and out in and out of the life so what would you what would you advise people to do like first maybe address the the question of an older child taking on a parent's role what would you say to that yeah I mean I think it's really important to um just generally in any context where there is this type of instability in terms of the the parent level of of functioning which could also be from just you know separation or divorce and things like that we see kind of similar types of um, impact, right? Um, but to um, make sure that that the parents are working collaboratively or, or co-parenting or working as a unit and that this sort of idea, we talk a lot about um, having like the upper management level um, and that the parents are that mm. upper management for the kids and that decisions, important decisions are being made on that level. Um, and, you know, kids can give feedback or um, share their perspectives. Wonderful, great. We'll take that into consideration. But at the end of the day, the messaging coming across to the kids is that, you know, both if they're both parents involved um, are the ones ultimately uh, sort of making decisions about, you know, the rules and the boundaries and things like that. Um, And if if one parent is not physically able to be present for, you know, all of those moments of communication, um, being creative about how to include that parent in those moments, um, even if it's like writing things down or video, having video you know, family meetings or whatever it might be. Um, so again, at the end of the day, the messaging is clear is that this is coming from this unit of parents <laughs> um, together um, and um, giving them the child uh, uh, room to to go back to their kind of child level, let's say, um, mm-hmm. um, and be in that space because it's important for kids to be kids. Um, I think... Would you say something to the older child, uh, sort of along the lines of, "Listen, hey, you know, I know that you've kind of um, taken on more responsibility, and I, I really want you to to not have to take on more than I don't know. How would you word it? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely would talk about it for sure, um, and maybe just with some curiosity and some questions initially to try to understand what type of experience the child is having in the context of all this. So, like, what's this like for you? think about that what does it make you feel like those kinds of um you know ways of building empathic connection and understanding um and then and, you know definitely um saying things along the lines of you know it, it's not your responsibility it's our job as parents to make sure you're not going to be in charge of that we've got this um you know that that type of approach um absolutely i i think yeah definitely talk about it <laughs> yeah because if the older child is stepping up mm-hmm. 
it's potentially because they've seen a gap yeah. or they've seen that we're not coping yeah. or just they feel that there's a gap and and that that you know they need to take it on maybe we're coping very well but maybe they've just felt that it was their role i don't yeah. know that's... i mean i think generally it is happening when they are sensing some sort of gap right or that the parent is not coping so in those conversations that you're having you know it's also important to acknowledge maybe some of the struggles in an age-appropriate way that you as a parent might be experiencing you know it's hard for me too or um i'm struggling with xyz but also making sure that you know at the end of the day the parents have the responsibility to come up with a plan for what we're going to do to take care of ourselves um to model that you know it's it's okay to not be okay but then we also have to take care of ourselves and figure out you know what resources do we need to bring in um to to get our family functioning in a way that's that's healthy um and that brings you know uh, the opportunity for us to live the best life that we want to live in the context of all this challenge mm. You've used the word instability for this going and coming. I mean, is it about managing these transitions and this instability or is it about trying to gain stability? I mean, I think both, you know, and there's that control kind of uh, question that comes into it. But like, you know, you can, you can definitely do things mm. to mitigate the instability by countering it with providing additional stability, right? So thinking consciously about, okay, how can we bring in, you know, maybe more traditions, rituals, like daily whatevers, um, so that there is that sense of this happening, like we something's predictable here. Um, but also like you mm. say too, like, like, um, you know, developing the resilience to be able to cope with instability because life is <laughs> filled with it. Um, so it's not that we want to say like, you know, let's figure out everything so that we can just counter it, but more like, okay, so what's that like to encounter instability? What thoughts, what feelings are coming up? What do we need to take care of ourselves? Not necessarily to change it or make it go away, the, not not to make those thoughts and those feelings and those experiences change or go away, but um, how can we, you know, um, d- develop the skills to, to really turn this into something that um, gives us an opportunity to to sort of become like like what comes to mind for me, like you know, we say to parents all the time, like you're you're raising adults, right? Like you're not raising kids, you're raising adults, so helping them become adults is, is helping them learn how to encounter instability and, um, you know, learn how to deal with it so that they can be prepared and equipped to handle it all the other times that they're going to face it in life. Yeah, for sure. And, and different kids will handle it differently. Right. I mean, one of my kids is more chaotic than the other. And so he not, not, not in a bad way. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like he, you know, he doesn't need structure, whereas the other one does. And so also, I suppose, you know, if there's a need for structure and the structure keeps shifting all the time, because, yeah. um, you know, sometimes people are moving and then the partner is coming back and forth. And so you've got this double, yeah. double transitions going yeah. on. Yeah, so um, also probably being mindful of, of character. Yeah. yeah. What's a good resource for managing transitions or instability or sort of lack of structure? Just in the psychology therapy world, there is a global network of providers that are, um, you know, very knowledgeable and experienced when it comes to supporting families going through these types of um, transitions, let's say. Um, Of course, Mm -hmm. the FIGT Families and Global Transition Organization is a great one that can sort of tap you into, you know, the various uh, sort of service providers. Um, International Therapist Directory is a great resource as well. Um, You know, it's always, I mean, no surprise 
surprised because I'm in this line of work, but I think it's always helpful to just reach out, have a consult, um, ask your questions and then um, see, you know, from there, what would be helpful and who, who would be helpful to talk to? Because there are so many people, not only professionals, but also just other families that have gone through this that can share their insights and experiences, you know, that, that, and, and what we see is like families will take a little bit of this from there and a little bit of that from there and piece it together in a way that works for them. True. So my million dollar question, right, is are we uh, are we ruining our kids if we're living a life where the parent isn't there? So whether they're, uh, you know, away for months at a time or whether they're coming and going Monday to Friday or gone two weeks at a time. That's my million dollar question to you. <laughs> it's a complicated answer um, because at the end of the day, kids need to feel secure in their attachments, right, to their primary caregivers, for sure. And part of that security comes with feeling that that person is unconditionally available for love and support and comfort and, um, um, you know, these kinds of things. And so we live in a modern world where you can, of course, provide that from a distance also. So it's not that you have to be physically present, but uh, making sure that that message is coming through that um, I am here for you unconditionally, you are a priority, you matter, all these kinds of things um, can go a long way to maybe mitigate some of the um, sort of negative impact of of having this type of uh, frequent movement, let's say. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in that these experiences that third culture kids particularly are going through, um, you know, transition just generally, not only because of this sort of family dynamic shift, but um, I mean, it's, it's hard and it's painful. Yes. All that kind of stuff. The grief is real. Um, but it also presents so many opportunities for growth and skills development um, that we know for sure puts TCKs way ahead of their peers when it comes to leadership potential and their ability to cultivate empathy and, you know, global mindset and all these kinds of things. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't do this work. Um, yeah. And we've seen it firsthand. I mean, we've supported, you know, thousands of families uh, by now. And um, the, the TCKs, just that profile of um, having all these skills in their sort of CV resume, um, it's, it's really remarkable, the things that they go on to do in the world and the impact that they make. So, um, you know, you're, you're not ruining them, um, but if it's important to attend to these challenges that come with. Uh, of these mm. choices we make about the lifestyle that we want to live yeah because if would you say like they have the potential to become leaders unless they get stuck right in identity or grief yeah I mean that's a that's yeah I think those challenges can definitely get in the way for sure mm. yeah yeah I think that's such an encouraging message though because there are challenges um but what I've seen as well with these family with families that I've worked with also in our own is there a hidden silver linings um really things that families and and for us as well as a couple as parents we've kind of come to the surface yeah. uh, that we wouldn't have lived otherwise and so yeah. I'm glad we're finishing on an encouraging kind of message and um also I think 
you know, addressing the the child who steps into a parent role, that was really also a very important point. I hadn't planned to cover to ask you that question, but I'm so glad it came up because that is something that um, I the trap I fell into as well mm. um, when my husband was in Kabul. I'm suddenly thinking, you know, oh, I'm oversharing with my son. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like. He is not really there to be my adult emotional support here. Um, So, uh, you know, it was helpful just to be aware of that. So is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Thank you so much for all your insights. Yeah, no, thank you as well. I mean, I think it's wonderful that you're having these conversations and getting this information out there. And um, like what we were saying, I think also earlier, like, you know, this is so relevant this this information is so relevant to so many people, but a lot of people don't even realize that the information is there and the resources are there. So um, I'm really glad that you're, you know, involved in all the initiatives that you are to, to bring this knowledge forward. Yeah, it's really important stuff. Super. Thank you so much. I'll put all your links on, on the show notes. People can get in touch with you. Yeah. For private consults. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. 